0: So Rogue One is out today when we're recording this. Rogue One day. And George Lucas has nothing to do with it. God bless. So let's toast to the best thing to happen to Star Wars in the last decade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. George Lucas's retirement. To, to George and his time away. Yes. Hey, welcome back. Uh, This is episode four of The Mix Six. I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And welcome. Uh, In our pre-party phase, I would just like to say, as we said in the last episode, if you could throw us some love on Patreon, that'd be great. It's like a party where there's a cover, but it's at a house and you know the people who own the house, like right. you know, be a winner and pay the cover for the keg. At least buy the the solo cup because you're going to use a bunch of them. But at least buy one and yeah. put your name on it, like you're going to play. Exactly. Right. But like, if you sneak in and just listen for free, we're really not going to do anything except for that one guy. We didn't invite him either. Right? And no one likes that guy. No. Nope. Uh, but yeah, steal all your. Is this weed. a
1: reference to me or something? <laughs> yes. It <is>. uh, yes. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, subtle passive aggressive remark towards producer Ross. <laughs> So, uh, we're here, Uh, check us out on Patreon, check us out on TheMix6.com TheMix6.com, our own website website, folks Fans, we're living in the future Welcome to 2012 Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, in The Mix 6, if you are just joining Mm -hmm. us, Mm -hmm. uh, we have six conversations and drink six beers Uh, And that's pretty much as far as we got on designing the show Uh, But we have a beer rating system now, which is great So, my beer rating system that I'm proposing for this episode is... Uh, based on the one of the best film franchises I think ever made, I think all film critics can agree on that. That's right. Uh, the Criterion Collection's in the mail, uh, but we're going to talk about Fast and the Furious. Uh, rating the films in quality in our five point ratings. That's right. So, to, to be clear, a, a one here is not the first Fast and the Furious film. We have evaluated them extensively. Yes. So the, what would be the worst beer? We've equated to the worst of the Fast and the Furious films on our list. Yes, okay, exactly. So a, the worst beer would be Fast and Furious Four. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez has amnesia for some reason, right. even though she was dead, and it takes place. Well, it would be hard to remember things. And if a you terrible, were dead, yeah, it'd be a terrible CG tunnel, and it's just awful. Uh, Two. Too fast, too furious. Mm-hmm, you need mm-hmm. that Vin Diesel, right? And they needed an episode to learn that. Yep. Uh, three is the Fast and Furious because it's the beginning of something wonderful. And I got to be honest, if but I was if I was going to take issue with any of these, I might take issue with that one being a three. That one might be higher on the list for me. But I'll, 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 I digress. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, well we're, it's not, nothing's perfect. Fair. Uh, four Furious Seven is going to be our number four beer mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because that's when the franchise really realizes what it can be, yep. and that means divorced from both physics reality. And common sense. Yeah. Uh, and then five, is Tokyo Drift the beginning of the James Wine Dynasty? Because if you drink this beer, it's the beginning of something new. It changes your and life. You don't even know what it's going to be, you just know it's going to be wonderful. That's right. So uh, a one's a four's a two's a twos, a three's a one, a four's a seven, and a five's a three. Got it? All right, let's go on. All right, moving on. <laughs> so, uh, so given our rating system for the day, Caleb, what are you drinking? I am drinking a hard Tokyo Drift. Hard Tokyo Drift. And the Schlafly St. Louis Brewing Company's Pumpkin Ale. Uh, this is not a surprise for anyone. We have mentioned our love of this beer before. But I have had many a pumpkin beer, mm-hmm. and this is transcendent. It is, it is the best of the best. And not only is it the best of pumpkin beers, it is one of my three or four favorite beers of all time. Easily. Easily. It I is the, the drift king mm-hmm. of beers. I wait anxiously for this beer to come around in the, in the Oktoberfest times. I, I would say if this beer has a flaw is that the hangover for when you've drank too much of it is absolutely brutal, right? And that has never once stopped me from drinking a bunch of it. That's which right. Is to its credit. So Caleb's drinking a the first five in mixed sixth history it happens yes. to be a Tokyo, Tokyo Drift, Drift. and it also happens to be a Schlafly Pumpkin Ale. Congra- congratulations to Schlafly. Um, feel free to send us free beer to celebrate your win. Uh, having said <laughs> that, let's jump right into it. So section one today, our first beer of episode four is dissecting our fun and today we're going to talk about a game that you have just absolutely forced on me mm-hmm. despite my my greatest attempts at pushing back and that beer is alchemist nope that game is alchemist <laughs> yeah um why alchemist and why did you want to shove it on me so badly so alchemist it was kind of a random buy for me i knew nothing about it when i bought it Uh, Because we used to have this wonderful game shop in Springfield called the Board Game Warehouse Mm -hmm. That would just let you wander around a literal warehouse of board games That's right, it was like the end of Indiana Jones full of board games exactly Mm -hmm. It it was exactly that, at like 40% discounts So you could do what is wonderful in retail I'm just going to like, I'll try it and see if I like it So I was initially very intimidated because Alchemist is a hard, hard Euro game Extreme worker placement, extreme resource management, like 12 or 15 different kinds of currencies. It has got lots of fiddly bits. It has got lots of directions. It is very complex. But what I absolutely love about it is that it keeps those fiddly complex bits... Exactly to the point where you're a board game person, you like some of that. Right. You're into some of that. But it keeps it from being to a level of where it's like campaign in North Africa, where you're like measuring individual strands of spaghetti for your Italian troops in Egypt. Um, And it keeps it from doing that by... Taking all that back-end stuff and throwing it into your phone mm-hmm. in a very simple app that is very cool and very easy to use. So do you want to kind of explain, like, the basic mechanic of how the phone's used? Yeah, so in, in Alchemy, kind of as a 30,000-foot as a view, if you will, or Alchemist, the, the goal of the game is to put together random ingredients to create potions. Uh, and I feel like now we do a lot of things about potions. Now that I hear myself say that, and so that like me right? Yeah. yeah, two two of <laughs> two, four, right? Have we reviewed four games? I mean, so? if we're looking at everything yeah. a board game could be about, right? Two out of four is a lot for potions. Potions potion is high on yeah, the list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, cheers to potions. Okay? Statistical breakdown, right? Here. Uh potion games on a potion podcast. Um, so the, the premise of Alchemist is you're going to combine ingredients to create potions, and as you create potions, you're testing potions on graduate students. Uh, you're trying to see if potions can cure diseases, you're trying to sell these potions off to like wayward warriors who would like to use the potions for things. You're trying to publish you're trying to about publish the best way to mix potions. Scient- it had some like a trigger warning for me maybe a little bit because here i am as like a lapsed academic and i'm like oh my god you know and i'm so that's why i drink a lot um yeah absolutely so the phone what the phone does is as you're combining these potions rather than having to like keep tabs on the math and the likelihood that these two things would run into each other and create a purple or a blue or a green or a red the phone app just does it for you so you can functionally throw on the phone here are the two ingredients i'm putting together in this combination snap a photo of it snap a photo of it image recognition for the cards if for some reason you couldn't use your thumbs to actually enter the information, you could just take a photo of it, right? If you mm-hmm. were a primate, right, pre obviously opposable thumbs. You understand what I'm saying here. You just get to take a picture of the damn thing and it will tell you what the combination is, it'll tell you what the solution is. Unbelievable. Uh so these cards literally have randomized chemical symbols. Right. Uh that have three variables. They have size, there's big molecules and little molecules. Yeah. There's three colors uh red, green and blue <clears throat> and then there's positive negative charges. They have 8 of those unique chemical symbols, but they're randomly scrambled each time you play the game. Right. So, I have actually looked into, and to Alchemist's credit, they give you the option of running the game without the phone and the fucking Herculean task yeah. it takes to re-randomize those elements every time and figure out how they combine together. And you have to have a GM for it and all the kind of stuff. And it would make the game literally unplayable. I feel like that version of the game comes with cocaine. <laughs> yes, like all of the cocaine just to get through it. Yeah, there is a there is not no way I would ever play the Adderall though. I mean, like I don't know, Ross. Yeah. You know, at some point it's just all <laughs> going. Gonna be there for 24 hours, so you need to like really right. maintain your high. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's it would be an unplayable game and an unenjoyable game. Whereas now it's one of the most cognitively engaging games I have ever played because once I get that thing telling me. All right, if I mix this, I make this, I get a positive green symbol. Mm-hmm. I am doing the sort of chemical math, which you have to learn in the right. game, you in do. my head to try and do these deductive reasoning things on this little piece of scratch paper they give you. And, like, Sarah and I will play Alchemist, and I will just think about what I did right or did wrong yeah. for for days after I'm done. Like, I've never had a board <clears throat> game. Be that like, other than like chess or something, I've never had a board game just keep me that engaged. Like when I'm just sitting around. Yeah, for me the 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 big tale on Alchemist. The reason I want to keep going back to it is that lingering effect. So you finally brought it over. You convinced Brandy and I to set aside like three hours. For it's this a thing. significant investment. And I kept thinking like, I don't what a, why three hours. And then we played it and it took like all of three hours. Um, and if I remember correctly, to my wife's credit, I actually won the first game. You no did. big deal. No big deal. Feels like a big deal because I screwed up one deduction and it just went collapsing from there so that's what it was right so brandy thought she'd won i had some tokens that actually gave me additional points at the end of the game yeah. so i ended up beating her for like the next five days she talked to me about the one wrong move that she made uh to lose that game by you know functionally ended up being two points i think at the end of the whole game so we played again a couple weeks later i ended up getting like third or fourth not a good day for me and i found myself a week later wanting you to bring that game back over so i could make a minor correction in an otherwise two and a half hours worth of games game just to solve that problem i've never had a game do that to me oh god like when we have snow days sarah and i will say well we're playing alchemist today we just do two person alchemist games and it's just a chess match no matter what we're like we're doing laundry we're catching up on homework and we go back to alchemist we're like oh god yeah is it a negative blue or a positive blue? I don't know! I'm going to have to roll the dice! Like it's and, and the deduction game element in the midst of this worker placement resource management game, like it is as complex as I think I'm willing to go, but what is significant for me about Alchemist is that it is using technology in a way that doesn't negate a board game. Mm. It I'm, eases the complexity. It eases the complexity of the board game and makes the board game more engaging, which I'm absolutely love. I, it doesn't make the game a video game in any way, shape, or form, Right. but it helps me make the game that much more engaging and intellectually uh, stimulating. Yeah, let me put it another way. If the the phone app didn't exist, uh, it would be too much. So in terms of complexity, Alchemist is at the the brim of the cup. Without the app, it is a cup runneth over. With the app, it is at the perfect point where I get frustrated, but in as much as I want to play harder regarding its complexity... Exactly. uh, Without the app, I think I would just... I'd I'd flip the damn thing over and and burn it. I would just set it on fire. And uh, so if... Games are going to technologically evolve. Right. Alchemist is the keystone, touchstone of how to do that. And I will say that of all the games we've recommended and played and reviewed so far, it's the most difficult. It's got the highest learning curve. Yes. Uh, and there's no long term campaign payoff like in a Mice and Mystics. Yes. For you RPG savvy folks who are looking for, I'm going to put time in, I want to see the reward of that time. It is a one shot that might leave you lingering for days on how badly you screwed up one incident. And you desperately want to replay a one-shot that one shot. And you want to go back to it. Yeah. I couldn't it. So. Recommended highly. Speaking of going back to it, I'm going to go to the fridge. We'll be right back. what are you drinking today? So a couple of weeks ago, I reviewed a Mother's Brewing Company out of Springfield, Missouri. Backyard beer, I I reviewed their Grapefruit Wheat. I think I gave it a reasonable rating. Today I'm drinking another one of those backyard beers, and it's their Tart Peach. And I've got to say, I probably prefer this one to the Grapefruit Wheat. This Tart Peach is appropriately tart. It does have a nice peachiness to it. Um, I want to give this a Furious 7. This is a hard 4 for me. Uh, I can drink this beer all day, every day. Feels good outside. Feels good inside. Mostly, it feels good inside me. Okay, nice. Um, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about in Armchair Director uh, something I've been thinking about. Uh, so the way you phrased it was uh, top three movies ruined by memories, right? Um, and I'm okay with phrasing it that way. But I, I will start by saying, by ruined, I mean corrupted in the way that I'm not experienced the film on any way, shape, or form. Based on the merits of the film right and it could be either way it could be a positive association for something that's shit okay. uh, but it's just regarding something that happened in my life while I was watching that movie at a certain time that has made it about that memory. And not like, is it a good movie? No, I hear you. So yeah, I can yeah, yeah. no longer even pretend to be objective, right? So, it. so now we're not talking about the movie anymore. It's yeah. really, it's really like top three memories that also happen to have movies in them. Yeah, yeah. which I'm fine with. Right, absolutely. Uh, I love this idea. And when you brought it up, uh, I really had to kind of rack my brain uh, and figure out what movies I like, and then am I thinking about the movie, or am I thinking about a moment? And alternatively, what movies do I absolutely hate, and do I hate them because they were terrible? Looking at you, Batman versus Superman, or do I hate them because they happened around a thing? <laughs> Uh, so I'm really excited to talk about this I'll, I'm going to let you kick this off Alright, uh, I'll go with my most obvious one uh, Well, most obvious for me memory-wise Least obvious film-wise Queen of the Damned Wow <laughs> Were you were you like really by the Aaliyah thing? <laughs> no uh, I had my first kiss In the film version wow. Of Queen of the Damned Producer Ross, can we get some slow jams during this segment? <laughs> so, uh that movie is terrible. Mm-hmm. It is it's, not good. it's bad Anne Rice. It's like bad early Stephanie Meyer. It's like their transitional phase of like 90s Sexy Vampire right. into early two thousand Sexy Vampire. Holy and, shit, it, yeah. and it manages to suck on every level. Pun intended. On uh, both. Yes. Um, <laughs> Lestat gets really into like house music. Yeah. It's, oh, it is Repugnant, And then Aaliyah died, and that's how the world will remember her. That's right. Which is just blasphemous. Awful. i, I it's, it's very sad. It's very, very Awful. sad. So Because um, she should be remembered for the song on the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack. <laughs> yes. Right. You remember that. <laughs> yeah. That okay. noble legacy. Right. Uh, but uh, that movie's ruined for me because I will forever associate it with, like, that weird, awkward time in my life. And subsequent events that occurred thereafter, uh, which is more thought than that movie deserves from literally anyone ever. Do you think the girl in question also remembers the awkwardness of that time? I assure you, she does not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you think she enjoyed the moment? Uh, I'm also. Uh, I'll, this is more of a gamble, right. yeah. but I feel like it's a safe bet to put it all on. She did not. Okay.
1: Were there uh, were there
0: subsequent? queen of the damned moments with her there were not oh okay all right totally fair uh, and and for the sake of you know you're not getting too depressed i'm gonna move uh to my my third on this list um i think the usual suspects is one of the great films of our time i absolutely love it uh for as much shit as i have given and will continue to give brian singer on this podcast the usual suspects is exempt from all of it didn't throw one piano in anybody on that no one. No babies throwing pianos, yes. uh, except for the first time I tried to show my now wife the usual suspects was after a dinner date at Zio's. Probably shouldn't say this on air. Sorry. I mean, Mio's. Um, got it. Got him. And call the lawyers. And um, I got such bad food poisoning uh, from Mio's that day that I threw up so much I had to be taken to the hospital for a torn esophagus. I only learned this after 13 <laughs> hours of vomiting and then blood started coming out. I'm sorry I'm laughing cuz I I feel bad it for you. It doesn't look like you're but sorry. A, a torn esophagus sounds right. like a made up. Yeah. Like a made-up side effect to a nasty drunk. It didn't feel very made-up after a while. Uh, So so that was in like 2006, I want to say, like maybe early 2007. I did not watch The Usual Suspects again until probably three months ago when I convinced Brandy that it really was worth finishing. Here's the worst part. She didn't even finish the movie because she was bored and fell asleep. So I ended up watching the whole thing largely by myself, only to then kind of roll over and say, I don't feel very well. And then 13 hours later... Uh, Jolie joel good old joel mccloud ended up driving me to the hospital because torn esophagus yeah so that's three nausea is one of those emotions that can be hooked into something forever man i still really can't do orange juice after one bad screwdriver night i heard yeah what's number um, two for you number two for me is gonna be uh cloverfield whoa still haven't seen it by the way uh, it's a great theme park ride. I mean, oh, okay, <laughs> I cool. mean that's kind of happening for that. I mean, and I don't yeah. dislike the film Cloverfield, but yeah. I learned my grandmother died Holy as Lord. I watched it the wow. second time and I was not sober enough to remember the first time I watched it, so let's just call it the first time I watched it. Uh, so I learned my grandmother died, and so Cloverfield to this day is a fun theme park ride, but it makes little to no sense. Like, he's not even wearing a GoPro. Like, everyone's being killed by Kaiju, and he's like trying to frame the shot. I'm like, fucking run, idiot. Like his name is Hud. And his name is Hud. His, like name is HUD. Mm-hmm. his name is Hud. <laughs> uh, it is TJ Miller, though, so you gotta give him that. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, you know what you should do when you see Cloverfield? You shouldn't cry. Like, you shouldn't be, like, overwhelmed with emotion because Cloverfield's on. Like, oh, no, the sad Manhattanites are being killed in there. <laughs> Billion square foot apartment in a high rise. Oh, the met hume- Like, you shouldn't sob based on that movie. It is not a movie that provokes any emotional reaction other than, ooh, explosion. So, like, I don't um, want to dig into this too much, but, like, during the film, you found this out? Yes. Were you in the theater? No. Uh, so the first time I watched it, I was too drunk to remember what had happened. I just vaguely remembered a monster. Right. <laughs> and something happened. After that. You're right. Um, I mean, right. I, I bet that's what that girl from the Queen of the M moment said about you later i don't really remember what happened but i remember the monster she was not drunk Mm -hmm. i was not cool enough Mm -hmm. to be associated with alcohol Uh, so anyway uh i was at my house and uh, i was chilling with sarah and then i got a phone call uh and i yeah found out my grandmother wow yeah it was pretty brutal okay well that's gonna make me feel like a real dick for my second one so my last one's more chipper i promise i can't really watch (laughs) shaft because my mom and i watched shaft Ooh. after we put our our Westie named gizmo down so gizmo had been around longer than i had been around and i was 15 he was 17 when we put him down so mom did it and she came back home she was super broken up uh because gizzy and is this, the, is this like the original shaft no or this is the samuel jackson, the samuel jackson. Samuel, okay okay that's not as bad and she uh is it
1: it feels maybe a little worse no, she well i mean watching the movie like the original shaft with your
0: parents i imagine is right not it feels worse but the, but also that awkward. samuel L. jackson is in this memory is great because if i get really sad i can just think of him yelling like your dog died motherfucker and i'm like oh okay it's not that bad anymore you know <laughs> um So mom gets home. She's super broken up. I don't think she wants me to know how broken up she is. Or maybe she just, like, wants to take her mind off of it. And so she's like, let's go see a movie. And we saw Shaft. (laughs) So, oh, man. Like, so, okay. That makes it better. Like, so if you just went to the theater, that's what was playing at the closest time. And then you went in and you sort of have a quiet space. I get that. like Very quiet space. At one point, I thought mom was like, we just put down the dog. Let's go see Shaft. No, there was, And I was worried <laughs> right. about that association. Yeah, I don't I don't think that like it had been a seventeen year long con like she was gonna get a dog so that in the same day that, that was the like the, the watershed for her, the the opening of the gate, like, well now I can go see shaft, you know? It's like there was nothing about that The Westie it, hates yeah. r- right. black exploitation. Yeah. I just think there was this moment where it was like, I gotta do something else right now and the something else became go see shaft. Yeah. All right, what's number one for you? Fair enough. Uh, number one for me is snakes on a plane. Hell, and yes there it for is. That. I was there for that. So, Snakes on the Plane is a... And we're talking objectively here. American masterpiece. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. A failed experiment. Wow. An attempt to make a cult film... How dare you? Out of, out of corporate, like, boardroom consensus. Uh, it's an attempt to, like, cash in on schlock in the same way that, like, the asylum is with, like, a, an enormous budget and... It's not even well done for schlock purposes if it's trying to imitate that because parts of it are too clean uh, at that point still. I will still drop literally everything. Absolutely. Literally everything I have going on if snakes on a plane is on from the sheer memories of the goddamn spectacle we put into going to see it i have never worked harder for anything (laughs) than being a part of the costumes that not even i but others in the group adorned to go see snakes on a plane we covered ourselves in rubber toy snakes all over our bodies (laughs) uh we had a friend dress up as a plane a full-on plane now here's here's a here's a totally insensitive and totally random topical yet uh, we're not going to name the friend because he might want to remain employed snakes on a plane opened the same night as i believe united 93 (laughs) yep and so said friend decided to dress up as a plane to go see snakes on a plane walking into a theater of people going to see united 93 You want to talk about some dirty-ass looks, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. It got worse as we were walking to the theater, and he then banked into the theater <laughs> of United 93. Yeah. The the looks that were originally, oh, maybe they just didn't realize, quickly became, oh, no, fuck those right, guys. Right. And we deserve that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but... The theater itself never have I felt such camaraderie. It was a rocky horror picture show, yes, pe- people had their shirts off, they were waving them around their heads, as I, people were getting bit I by was snakes. screaming at the screen, yeah. like I lost it was carnival in there, is yeah what people it was. were running up and down the aisles. <laughs> yes. it was just a transcendent moment in like my development as a human, yep, and I owe that all to snakes on a plane, which is not a great movie, but I love. I just adore it. Usually when I hear people talking in a theater, I want to murder them. Don't go to a theater to talk, except in Snakes on a Plane. Everyone was screaming at the the screen, and I've never been more proud to be an American, if I'm being completely honest. Go to that theater to talk and talk about how much you love each other. That's right. Um, All right, so... I actually had a similar
1: experience. I love going to Snakes on a Plane in theaters. I want
0: to talk to someone who... I think everyone did. Yeah, who didn't. Right. They heady days. I want to talk about the non-American, you know, comrade version of Snakes on a Plane where people didn't enjoy themselves. In many ways, Snakes on a Plane opening night was the opposite of 2016. Yeah. Uh, We... We... There were no divisions, no bubbles That's in the that right. room. That's right. It was an epidictic moment. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number one for me, this one's totally weird, and many of you will probably not have seen this film, so I encourage you, after listening to this, to just go Google a couple things. The number one movie that is absolutely ruined uh, by memory for me, and, and has ruined other movies by memory for me, is Return to Oz. The oh, 1985 sequel. I've, I've seen that. To the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Is that the one with Michael Jackson in it? Uh, I don't think so. Or is that the Wiz? It, that's, that's the, the Wiz. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is the one with the Wheelers. <laughs> And the Wheelers have ruined Oz for me. So I'm not going to talk too much about this because you people have... Most of you probably haven't seen it, and God bless. It's probably why many of you are sane American It may be the pinnacle or of DTV. Right. It is about as direct-to-video right. as <clears throat> movies can come. If you've never had a traumatic moment in your life, it's probably because you didn't know what trauma was because <laughs> you hadn't seen Return to Oz. Okay? So here's what I'll tell you. Take this like, really lovable story that is The Wizard of Oz, a classic. Um, and put it in some mildly off-kilter version of Oz where these uh, meth head... Men are running around Except they don't have arms and legs They just have wheels attached where their appendages Would be and so they're literally like On their wheels trying to chase After you and and it looks like They're just trying to steal your purse And whatever narcotics you have on you Like they've got red around their eyes it looks like They haven't no they're real teeth. fucked up looking. yeah they're real Fucked up it's looking. very much like we took a bunch Of acid and went to go see the lion king on Broadway yeah that's <laughs> like right. That's right. what the fuck Are those gazelles doing right, right. like like, uh, like I did all the meth and then I found four roller Skates and I was like, wonder how long I could walk around like this. And then I saw a girl and my dog, and I was like Dorothy. And so I just started wheeling after her. Uh, and so it, it, I would encourage you uh, to just Google "Return to Oz the Wheelers." There's like a two and a half minute clip on YouTube, and you're welcome for having ruined your life heretofore. Okay, sleep with that, folks. <laughs> so wait, that. so wait, that movie kind of caused the memory. Yeah. The memory didn't come from the outside. It, it both became trauma. Yep, yeah. and, and, then, and then it ruined and then me transcended. the Oz universe. Yeah, uh, Now I don't want to watch Wizard of Oz. Because you know Wheelers are back there somewhere. And then when waiting. someone was like, you're going to see that new Wizard of Oz film, I was like, nah, I've already seen an Oz film where somebody's on drugs, James Franco. Uh, and I ain't never <laughs> going back. Uh, and on that note, time for you to get another beer. Indeed. Mr. Stokes, what's that beer? I am drinking Blue Moon's Cocoa Brown Ale, and it is a solid. The Fast and the Furious. Oh, uh, it's a one that is a three. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which, um, if I'm talking about Blue Moon, is pretty much the entire line. There's nothing objectionable about it, nor is it particularly interesting blue moon is one of those beers that uh it was for me like a transitional beer out of boulevard like i didn't want to drink boulevard wheat all the time so i started drinking blue moon because it was functionally the same beer but i could put an orange in it rather than a lemon so it felt different having said that at this point in my life i only order it in pitchers and that's a quantity over quality thing yeah it's me? an excellent stepping stone beer from the out of your college days of trying to kill your liver. Right. And into the era of being pretentious about trying to kill your liver. That's right. That's right. Uh but yeah, I I've having gone to the Blue Moon tasting room in Denver. Um thank you, Justin. It was a lovely trip. Uh the it's just the it's a bland, concreteless bunker. Like it's just raw concrete and like circular concrete shapes. And it was oh God, it was just the the blandest, vaguest room I've ever been in. And serving like the beige of beers. That's right. Uh, it was it the was their, vanilla of beer. Yes, quite literally in this case, uh, or in this cocoa. Uh, so, yeah.
1: What are we talking about?
0: Doing. Actually, actually, let me tell you. For all of you long-time four-episode mixed-six listeners, we're introducing a new topic right now. We are two new topics today, actually, and this is the first of the two. Um, today, we're going to talk a little bit about literature in a segment we call "Getting Lit." Get it? It's a pun, folks. That, it'll, yeah. it'll look it's better in the show notes because then you'll see the erature and parents behind getting lit. Yeah, you guys are reading this in transcripts, right? Right. <laughs> right. You'll get it later. Yeah, no, I, I'll <laughs> get right on that. Thank <laughs> you. Producer Ross will solve this problem. So, um, you know, I think we, we talked last time. We're all bibliophiles. We all like to read. Uh, But you wanted to talk about something maybe a little more niche in terms of literature today, Uh, and that was not just a return to some science fiction classic, Asimov, but rather the evolution of, or what you're calling the return of, Asimovian sci-fi. All right, so uh, I think the high Asimov uh, school of sci-fi is sort of making a return. And one thing I will say is that I'm going to be a petty nerd and draw a genre distinction because I don't think Asimov being described as hard sci-fi, meaning science fiction, which takes the science seriously rather than just having laser guns. Uh, I don't think that's a useful distinction Because I think Asimov is somewhat separate Because like, you can have a lot of transhumanist stuff right. That is very you know, hard sci-fi It's very focused on actual theoretical prototypes right. um, And then when you take that And take it into the, like, this entire theoretical sociological economic system that's when you're going into high Asimov. So, it's a philosophy book disguised as fiction. yeah it's, and that's it's a moving thought experiment right That's the distinction for me. so uh, for you know for our listeners who may not be big sci-fi folks uh, might prefer their literature in other forms. Uh, you know Asimov is at the heart of science fiction for the, the robot trilogy, which is kind of the beginning of the, the uber intelligent robot that is both assistant to and semi-threat to human. Uh, Focused on a little bit of the science of that A little bit also of the locked room problem Is kind of at the Asimov's core So if you've seen iRobot for example It is an extrapolation of Asimov Uh, And then probably better known in science fiction circles For the Foundation series uh, Which is kind of at at the heart of May be the heart of science fiction literature Over the last 5,000 years Yeah. So talk a little bit about what it looks like to you Then to now have uh, these new authors These new texts That are really taking that Asimovian spirit And pushing it even farther, well, for my money, I think it's coming out of China uh, or at least Chinese Americans. So, um, the the book I am currently obsessed with, or the book series, is begins with a Three Body Problem, and I'm going to butcher butcher the Mandarin here. We but go. I'm going to try my best uh, by Liu Cixin, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be on your English translated checks. Uh, C i x i n. Mm-hmm. Space, L-I-U. Uh, so uh, Liu Xixin, uh writes The Three-Body Problem, and it is a brilliant sci-fi novel. Um, and it actually takes some grit at the beginning of it. It begins during the Maoist purges. Uh, it begins in the 1960s because it is very much about, uh, overall, it's about an alien invasion. No spoilers. You read it on the back of the book. Um, it's about an alien invasion, but book. it's an alien invasion that moves at... Speeds where there is no such thing as faster than light travel. So it is an alien invasion that takes place over the course of generations and decades and long spans of time. So it, it's just sort of had this like uh, Crichton level of like multiple perspective disaster fiction going on with it, mm-hmm. but it's hopping through all these various points in like Chinese history. And it is also, you know, talking about these sort of alien issues. So the first book just sort of has some sort of grid on it. And I think that's why it's popular, even though it's presenting like these very complex quantum mechanics issues, uh, these very complex physics issues, these, these discussions about stuff like that. But I'm now into the dark forest of the second book, and it's just left that dirt behind. And now characters are mouthpieces that just spout philosophical concepts. And I kind of love it because the thing is, reading this Chinese literature, and I'm not versed in it, I'm clearly not versed with it, there were some aspects of storytelling in the first book that I found off-putting. Like, for instance, the main character only becomes the main character because his best friend has an obsession with a girl that killed herself And her grandmother needs taken care of, and that's how he. That's how he enters the plot. How not banal? Yeah, (laughs) Uh, and it's just like why there's like four characters in that string you could just cut out because they're. Utterly useless to the plot. And I didn't really understand, like, the sort of, you know, storytelling conventions on that or family dynamics and things like that. But by this point, it's not alienating to me anymore because he's not even attempting it. It is just full-blown. Like, the the Dark Forest starts off with, like, a discussion of, like, what are the axioms of cosmic sociology? That's the first chapter. <laughs> like, that's the opening salvo wow. of, like, they're standing at a grave. What is are the axioms of a theoretical framework for cosmic sociology? Wow! So have you? Uh, so here's one of the things I know about myself: I get really into books. For like bursts, right? It's a little boomer bust for me. So I read bursts in cycles. Yeah, there, I'll go six weeks where I'll read like a book every two days, and then I'll take three or four weeks, or like you know, somewhere in your early twenties, maybe like six years, and I won't touch a book for a while. And one of the things that I've learned that turns me off of a book is the uh, level of ether effort with which I have to approach reading the thing after a time. Like for example, I've tried to read Foucault's Pendulum eleven times, and I've never made it past the third page. <laughs> House uh, of Leaves was like that for me. So you haven't even bothered trying, right? Yeah. And I will say, like Asimov, not particularly hard lifting. Uh, He does have a sort of fantastic – That's what I'm getting at. He does have a sort of fantastic ability to sort of dumb down these extremely complex concepts or at least space them out to the point where you find him sort of compelling. You have an element of suspense and learning the next – Part of the idea, right. uh, which is basically just scal- scaffolding from an educational framework, and uh, it does. And he's not alone. Like uh, Arrival, fantastic film that just came out. You sure see it. Uh, it's based on the story of your life by Ted Chiang. I think I'm saying it right. Mm-hmm. And that movie has some extremely complex linguistic information that I didn't learn till graduate school. Mm-hmm. And it presents it in such a way in the film and in the story itself, which is barely twenty pages long, even though it made a Full movie out of it, Uh, some sort of like linguistic concepts that are like higher level, graduate level doctorate stuff. Um, so there's just this very – there's this gift for that I think in the community. And then I think there's – I think it's more or less of it a gift in like the community ethically as it is like not being afraid of those ideas. There's no sort of anti-intellectual impulse over there or at least not in the way I understand it as an American. Sure. And so like you're sort of tackling stuff that Asimov is not afraid to tackle back in the 60s and 70s. But if you told a publisher in modern like New York like – That you're going to publish this book about like how there's this physics problem with three gravitational indices that can't be solved and then I'm going to turn into an alien invasion and they've already left. Like, they've already left right, the building, right. and you have to pay the Lost your now. contact information. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, validated their parking. And I, I think China's doing it a lot better now, and I'm really looking for more of that kind of stuff. Now. So one of the concerns for me, because I know that you've also seen The Arrival and you loved it. Loved it. One of the concerns for me is that when you get into uh, books that push high concept but try to push it in a really digestible way, that maybe so much of the work goes into creating digestible high concept that it loses the fun of a plot sometimes. But what I'm hearing you say is uh, these are both enjoyable reads for the science fiction element, which is the alien invasion and probably all of the action adventure that may or may not go go with that and the high concept stuff. Yes? Yes. Okay. Uh, they're very much in the Vonnegut school of like suspense is overrated. Like tell everybody exactly what's going to happen because the suspense is not for what's going to happen, it's how it's going to happen. (laughs) Uh, And it it is they are very much designed like that. Both Ted Chiang's work and and, uh, Three Body Problem so far. For what I'm hearing, is this a book that you would recommend to our listeners? I would. Both the Three Body Problem and I'm sorry, what was the short story? The story of our life by Ted Chiang. See, see, folks, come for the beer. Uh, You might just want to see the movie first though, because. Uh, good, there's a good twist to it And the movie pulls it off And I think that's the more remarkable thing Oh, Like had I read the story before I saw the movie I would not think it could be filmed But they pulled that off So it might be more interesting to go see the movie first for once Because holy crap How did he do that man? And uh, the fact that he does is sort of remarkable This whole thing just changed on me And speaking of changing, I'm going to get a new beer Yeah All right. It's a new one for me. It's the Sudwork Brewing Co's out of Davis, California. Farmer's Market Citrus Goza Lager. As you know, I think I've mentioned it a number of times now. I've been trying all of the sours, tarts, gozas that I can get my hands on. And so uh, this one is, for me, a solid The Fast and the Furious. It is a one that's a three. Mm -hmm. Producer Ross? Um, You know, I did
1: want to say something about the rating system, and I think Caleb was very clever with it in that you know four is the worst right you know it's really low don't, uh, don't
0: like right as if you need confirmation yeah, yeah. okay okay it's really yeah. right.
1: <laughs> but you, you the way you described uh three is that it was you know the best and but it would you you'd would have so much you'd have a hangover and i think that explains like how the movies go like there's three and then four is the hangover a-
0: after that so. i see what you're saying oh now. yeah yep. yeah it's it the thing which follows the one that you wanted the most of yeah I think three, they just threw everything at the wall. And then they're like, why did that work? And then they tried it again in four, and it didn't work. Oh, James Wan, let's just do him. But it's layers upon layers. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Bow Wow. Yeah, right. Who is no longer Lil. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's a rich rich tapestry. Caleb, we're trying a new segment this time. What are we trying? We are going to try Jukebox in back. So we like to play music. Uh, We've gotten thrown out of more than one bar. Due to our choices. Listen, if I want to listen to Taylor Swift when I'm drunk, I want to listen to Taylor Swift when I'm drunk. Okay? This is happening. It wasn't. This <laughs> this is happening. Like it will happen again. But anyway, here's what I will say: If TouchTunes could see the songs that I was, if my credit card company could see the names of songs I was purchasing on TouchTunes with my card, they would immediately call my phone and assume it had been stolen. Yeah. (laughs) There's a meeting at a big data company. It's just like, this guy, we don't know. The the algorithm is broken. we got to go back to the drawing board. Someone take credit cards away from that man. (laughs) Demographically speaking. I (laughs) I was the cause of the 2008 recession. (laughs) Single-handedly. So anyway, in Jukebox in the back, we're going to talk about music. Mm -hmm. Uh, Using our uninformed bar opinions. Uh, which are strong enough to compensate for their lack of knowledge or expertise. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about, in this one, top three bands that when people say they like them, you get kind of judgy, right? Or to be more topical, you're sitting in a bar, you're drinking. Someone goes over to the to the jukebox. When they play this artist, you look up and you go, "Yeah, really? It was that guy, really? Yeah, absolutely, it was, it was, it was that motherfucker over there. there." So, you know, I'm going to kick this one off, uh, and because I don't want anyone who might be a fan of these artists to feel like I'm negatively reflecting on them, but the reality is, I am. <laughs> And so my my third, and I had to think long and hard about this, I wanted to put country on here as just a bucket, like all of it. (laughs) But that's unfair because when I'm in a bar, sometimes I just want to hear some Garth Brooks or maybe some Alan Jackson. So country would have been unfair. However, if I had to think of what it is about country that I'm not really crazy about and if you happened to be about that, What song or artist do I think you would play? I think you would play something by Toby Keith. Yeah. And so I've decided that Toby Keith is, for me, one of those things that when you tell me you like it or you play it in a bar, I turn my head a little bit and try to make my face not look so gross. I am not into music so much as I am into fervent nationalism. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what a Toby Keith selection says. I feel like if you tell me you like Toby Keith, it's the last thing you do before you show me your 9mm <laughs> and ask to meet me in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, or maybe, more to the point, like your shotgun and ask to meet me in the parking lot. Yeah. So the, a Toby Keith for me is one that when, when people play it or people say it, um, I go a little bit cockeyed. Yeah, And for you? Uh, in that same vein, exactly with Toby Keith, it's going to have to be ICP. Yep. Uh, so the
1: look, insane clown
0: posse, yeah, yeah,
1: for the those who are
0: not familiar but for their short stint on uh, the WWF, obviously, yes, yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know their fascination with magnets, because you know how do those Miracle. kooky how magnets, work? That works. Uh, so anyway, uh, ICP. I appreciate that like there are certain neglected portions of the population that they are giving camaraderie to. Love it. And I appreciate that your own tastes come from your own place in the world mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily say something about you. And I appreciate that the FBI has not been known to be enlightened its policing policy. So mm-hmm. the fact that you've been identified as a gang – that is nationally dangerous and a threat to national security doesn't mean much to me. Uh-huh. But I've seen ICP's own documentaries about how wonderful it is to be a juggalo, and that's the them. Yeah, that's them presenting themselves. Right. And no, no, no. no. <laughs> opposite of wonderful. I need to be somewhere else right. now. No, <laughs> no. There was an entire work workaholics <laughs> episode, I believe, about about juggalos. And what, what was generally a show reserved for what I assumed was comedic representation of some rather mundane thing, uh, it was not a comedic representation of all. As far as I can tell, they just hung out with juggalos. Yeah. And that was the episode. Yeah. Like, if, I'm not using, like, things that could be construed as, like, anti ICP media. No, no. Like, I've listened to a song or two. Right. I've seen you wear clothes and talk to each other That's and right. present yourselves. And I'm out. I'm I'm just out. I don't think I'm out so hard. I don't think you need to feel bad about this. Okay. I also feel like maybe if there were people listening who were madly and intensely in love with ICP, they wouldn't have made it past the first episode anyways. So I feel like we're (laughs) safe here. Well, no, I mean, like, if you're really into ICP and you have, like, some redeeming qualities outside of, like, the area with it, like, let us know Hit me up, I'm not against everyone fanatically Because of it, but like, Fair. I will leave For my safety, mm-hmm. like, I will leave For, like, fear of bodily harm Yes, And I don't think that's something you Weren't putting forth, at least in the culture That seems to be part of the ethos, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. so I'm, I'm taking you at your word Right If nothing else uh, Number two for me is fairly obvious I don't know how much time I need to spend on this But if you tell me and or play in a bar Something by Nickelback And it's done unironically. We're done here. Can it be done unironically anymore? Are there Nickelback fans out there who don't know that they are now shorthand for shit? Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Don't don't never underestimate the
1: American people. (laughs) Right. Well, they're Canadian. Well, yeah, but I mean.
0: here's Here's what I'm, so like I live near some frat houses. And it's not uncommon for me to drive by during a rather social period and hear photograph. And I, you tell sure they're not like hazing someone? Well, they're so not like strapped wonder. to a chair in a basement being right. water something? I wonder. Or something? It's like, is it Nickelback theme night? Right? Because that could be a lot of fun, or it could be the worst night of your life. And so I assume it's done ironically, but I don't know anymore. And I think the problem is. I don't, I don't know that if someone honestly came up to me and said I'm a big Nickelback fan, I don't know if I could real. I would have to know them very well to, to, to feign their irony. And if I couldn't do that, I don't know. Things might I, get
1: weird. Honestly, I think Nickelback is music for people who don't like music. Uh, and I think that's a
0: lot of people. Uh, people who don't understand... What music is really about I think that's fair I, I don't know yeah. if it's fair I, I don't know if it's fair Because I don't want to I, So I, I understand that the nature of this segment Is talk about being a little bit judgmental Because we're all a little bit about judgmental about something And so this is being judgmental about music And so I'm sure that there are probably a lot of people Who like Nickelback and like other good music uh, Just for for my tastes I can't imagine what that looks like yeah. I guess is what I'm stuck on
1: Well as a comparison this And this is something that I've, I've learned before Um the major like the movie industry does like studies of who goes to theaters and why, and the majority of people who go to theaters don't go with a particular movie in mind. Mm. They just go and show up and watch whatever's playing. Oh, Okay, so I mean, your
0: dog just died. You go see Shaft. <laughs> Yeah, had to bring that back up. Huh? <laughs> See, I mean, it, it, but it happens a lot. And yeah.
1: those are. I think Nickelback
0: is for those kind of movies. No, people. that's good. Uh, I'll tell you what. What movies Nickelback is for? I assume Michael Bay films, right? Just yeah. like isn't Transformers just four long Nickelback music videos? <laughs> <with> Mark Wahlberg <laughs> at this point. It's it's actually a musical. It's hard to notice because it uh, goes beneath. It's like uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, yeah. only with all Nickelback. Nickelback. Um, anyway, uh, so my next one is going to be Fish. Mm.
1: Ooh.
0: So look, here's the thing. If you told me you loved Bill Murray, I'm on board. And then you're like, I love Bill Murray because I love bowling. I'm like, wait, what?
1: <laughs>
0: it's like, yeah, because he was in Kingpin, and that's a movie about bowling. And that's why I love Bill Murray. I would ask, why didn't you just tell me you love bowling? And that's the logic I have for fish fans. (laughs) Look, you really like drugs. Good for you. I'm not going to judge you for it, bro. Just tell me you really like drugs. I don't need fish as an avenue. Like, I don't need fish to hold my hand through a four hour song. As code for you, just really liking some drugs. Just tell me, you like drugs, bro. Totally fair. Like I don't, I could not care. What you're for here is cutting the bullshit. Yeah, exactly, That's right. exactly. And fish is nothing if not bullshit. It's bullshit culturally because it's meant as code for I really like drugs, and it's bullshit musically because it's five hours to a track. Oh my god, I was in jazz band too. I like to jam too. Uh, but holy. Can't get in on that. No, no, no. and like to the point where I'm like, I actually think Dave Matthews Band has some remarkable musicians in it, and like live at Luther College is some of the most amazing guitar work I've ever heard. And you sell me a Dave Matthews Band fan, I'm still kind of in the fish boat. Like, just tell me like drugs, bro. I totally get that. (laughs) I've I've had one fish experience uh, at one of our more favorite local watering establishments in Springfield, Missouri. I think it's fair to talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. The J O B, excellent whiskey selection. Uh, And a bartender there is particularly fond of fish. And so the only real time I spent with fish was an evening there. I spent about two hours trying a bunch of different whiskeys. And I'm not certain the song ever changed. (laughs) (laughs) But I do know that by minute 30, uh, I almost gave up the whiskey experiment uh, because I couldn't do it. And you know what, bartender? We knew you were into drugs. Already. That's right. Nothing was communicated through your choice. You were functionally holding a joint while serving me whiskey. (laughs) Yes. All right. Number one for me, probably controversial. I don't care because I feel how I feel. If you tell me that you love Kanye West, I have a lot of questions for you, and I'm not sure that those questions are in good faith. Specific dates. Yeah. I need to know from here to here, and there needs to be an end to that date. So it needs to be an end. Yeah. It needs to be the right end. Exactly. Uh, And I know that we disagree on this, because I know that you didn't like uh, 808s and Heartbreaks. Loathed it. Right. I, on the other hand, really enjoyed that album. Here's what I will say. Regardless of whether or not we agree... The whole album sounds like a Skype call breaking up. That's right. It really does. And I love that, right? Because at least the songs end, all right? So I love 808s and Heartbreaks. Regardless of whether or not we agree that's inside or outside of the goalposts, I think we both agree that almost everything after that is outside the goalposts. Definitely. So uh the the two or three early kanye albums i find entertaining and there is something very charming uh, about the irresponsibility of all of it and i think it's kind of nifty for example i was rewatching the second episode of arrow yesterday because of course i was and uh, have i talked about how much i liked arrow yet okay cool only every episode so far all right great four for four (laughs) yeah arrow and potions folks uh um And what struck me uh, is there's this line in Arrow uh, where Oliver's mother says to him, you know, five years ago, your immaturity was kind of charming and it's no longer charming. And I think that wherever we've landed on Kanye is no longer charming. And I don't want to paint with a broad brush here, but I've only got a broad brush. So at this point, the people that I know who really adore and intensely love Kanye also want to talk to me about politics in the same vein. And I don't think we have to, need to, want to, or get to do that anymore. Uh, I'm done talking about Kanye. And I'm done talking about Kanye as a social icon. I'm done talking about Kanye as a social pariah. If you like Kanye, that's cool. Let's not lie. What you really liked was college dropout. <laughs> just be honest about that. <laughs> yes. Because everything after that just got weird. So it's Kanye for me. And uh-huh. it's number one on that list. Fair enough. Time for, get, for you to get a new beer. have a new beer which means you have a new opinion and it is i am drinking the left-hand breweries oktoberfest and uh i don't want to besmirch the proud reputation of left-hand brewing but uh unlike their milk stout which i quite enjoy this is a too fast too furious oh that's a two that's a two yeah it's sort of a muddled composition tyrese is wasted in it right uh, paul walker is meant to carry a film ludicrous is both a mechanic and and a dj it never worked but it yeah but it is both it is it is assisted by the fact that it introduces ludicrous to the canon and it's introducing alcohol into my blood so at a certain point i have to stop complaining right uh but what are we going to talk about all right, so we're back to ask mixed six. Um, we had a blast fielding questions last time. We did not have a blast talking about the questions. If I remember correctly, someone asked uh, if s'mores were worth it, and it set off. Have you seen the art for episode two yet? Set off. <laughs> no, I haven't. Because I worked hard on that. Set off a slight pain for me uh, in in episode two. So we're going to try you're gonna to like do, it. With Ask... Now I'm very worried. Now I'm very worried. <laughs> With Ask mix 6. Uh, this is a really interesting one. I'm not sure who wrote this in. We should start capturing the, these things so we can celebrate people for well, doing Well, these this. are free questions. When people start paying for the questions, you get your name on the air. We'll recognize you until we're <laughs> blue. We'll do a whole segment where we just say your name over yeah. and over again. Yes. In increasingly and decreasingly tone, high and low tones and pitches. Yeah. But until then... So, so the question today is, if if you could be pulled into any film a la The Last Action Hero, a Schwarzenegger great, what film would you be pulled into? And we were both just talking about this. We have not we have not collaborated on answers. Not at all. I don't know what you're going to say. Chances are I'll disagree with it. You don't know what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. But both of us were struck at how quickly we landed on an answer. I was not struck by how quickly I landed on an answer. I was struck by how quickly I landed on an answer while expecting this to just be a grind yeah. of a decision. That's a great way of putting it. Like that. a top five bottom superheroes, like a bottom super superhero thing that took me hours and yet you were so wrong <laughs> yeah you, you and, and exactly we still work. get this and at this point i just made the decision literally in three seconds yes and i just knew this is it this is instantly it I don't know how I know this, so but it's just so intrinsically instantly. Let me propose how we unveil our answers to one another. I'll <laughs> count one, two, three, and then after three, I'll throw my hand down as if to play rock, paper, scissors, oh, and yeah. we will say our movies at the same time. All right. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Uh, Producer Ross, be sure to put like a drum roll in here for mo- <laughs> something suspenseful, maybe even like the Jaws music. All right. Uh, one, two, three. The, the Lego, Lego movie. Okay, all right. Well, we had different answers. We that, did. Well, we knew... It's, that, statistically, that was good. That could have gone... That could have been like a J.D. and Turk moment on Scrubs, where we both said the same thing. Yeah, let's thing. just edit that out. Let's just right. start again. Right, right. 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 New let's take. Do it over. Oh, uh, right. yeah. Uh, fuck it, we'll do it live. Uh, okay, Fifth Element. Yes. Go on. Uh, I unapologetically adore that film. Such a bright, wonderful future. Flying cars. I can get a fucking stir fry. Pulled up to my window in my crazy high-rise apartment. I get to wear, like, neon orange suspenders. Like, the worst job I can have is being, like, in short shorts as a boy on, like, this pan-galactic cruise. And I've had worse jobs wearing stupider outfits. And, like, violence is fun. And like there's tiny, there's penguin aliens that turn into Mila Jovovich, mm-hmm. and it's just so mm-hmm. enchanting. I can listen to Ruby Rod on the radio, and I, I just want every part of it. Like I want little tribbles being flamethrowed off my space plane. I want Gary Busey <laughs> as my villain. Like uh, I don't want to live in a world where wait, you mean Gary uh, Gary so Gary Coleman Gary, yeah, Gary Oldman. Oldman Gary Oldman, Oldman. Gary, Gary Oldman Yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I just oh I w- I just want it so good. I don't want a world where Chris Tucker is like this generation's Ryan Seacrest like I don't know that I I don't know that I can live in that world He now. annoys me about as much as Ryan Seacrest but I think he mm, kind of is like free of pretense from it. Like, he absolutely he's owns he's it. objectively fucking annoying. Right. Like and I, I can respect that. Uh, what I what great, I lo-
1: uh, great opera music too, by the way.
0: Yeah, I get to hear like nine foot tall blue ladies sing crazy chords that are impossible and they got like stones yeah. in their abdomens for some goddamn reason. I get crazy guns that are like 26 guns put into one gun. God, every part of it, I'm in. I can't help but notice the obsession with the, the like, functionally worry-free, sanction-free approach to violence that you've pointed out here a couple of times now. As, as the comparison was literally the last action here. Yes. Like, yep. that's, that's your critique of me? Okay, like, fair. Following the prompt? Fair. Okay. Uh, so, so, so my response is like less violent, but could be as, if not more violent. So the Lego movie... For me was like the obvious answer And it wasn't one of those things Where I started running through films in my head But as if to meditate I cleared my mind and said If there was any one movie I could live in What would it be? And uh, as as an owl in the Harry Potter world It just landed on me There was the answer And it was the Lego movie Two, two reasons I think why One So I was a big Lego kid growing up, but there's nothing about the nostalgia of that. Rather, it is the when I need anything in that universe. Not only can I get it, but I will get it animated as Lego pieces building around me. So whatever it feels like to come off of a drug trip, I imagine that's how everything would appear in front of me in the Lego movie. Two... Uh everything is possible, also everything is awesome. And so no one's having a bad time. Well okay, everything is awesome only if you're in a grim automaton existence before you escape, right? Right. right. But like what there's irony in that song. I think you're talking about 2017, okay? So <laughs> okay. like the, everyone is like reasonably happy. If you're not reasonably happy, it's because uh, you have been enlightened. If you are reasonably happy, you're probably ignorant of the Grim autom- Automaton, which I'm totally fine with. And if you're no longer ignorant of it, you can literally build at your will or fingertips anything that you need to get beyond the Grim Automaton. Worst case scenario, you fall apart, build yourself again, because that's how Legos fucking work, man. I cannot think... So for someone who is obsessed with the like risk-free violence approach of the Fifth Element universe... I am describing a world where violence has no end because I can just rebuild everything on a whim. It is the logical, intellectual extrapolation of your fifth, fifth element response, only better. Okay, but like, I, I get that, but it's also without consequence. It is crazy violence in fifth element, but it also has merit because like there's legitimate evil in the world, it's a rock. <laughs> evil is a rock speeding at the Earth. It has a voice. It calls people on the phone. Uh, all of that happens in there. Uh, there's aliens that are evil that clearly look evil. Like, it's it's just so simple. Space orc. Like, you don't have to think about killing a space orc. It's a space orc. I don't feel bad about that. I don't feel bad about killing a giant rock that is literally Satan. I don't. I, here's, what, here's what strikes me. But you, it also needs to be done There's also merit to doing it Corbin Dallas is still a hero You've given me a blank check To r- literally write myself into any universe <laughs> And I've functionally told you That I've written myself into a utopia Built of the world's greatest toys And you've told me now That it would be unenjoyable Because there was no peril Uh, By way of impending doom Hey, Brave New World is a utopia It's not dystopian fiction Everybody's happy there, except for the people outside of the society If you want to take the Soma And go into your consequence-free Unbearable lightness of being Lego universe (laughs) By all means, do so I will go to the fantastic, wonderful future Where evil is black and white And evil is also easily defeated Caleb, and what, I want that. What did Legos do to you as a child? <laughs> is what I want to know at this point. Underwhelmed me, okay. like your aunt. So, Spencer, what what Lego set would you be a part of? Like, oh my who, God, what a good question, Producer yeah. Ross. Yeah. What Lego set would I be a part of? Um. All right. In terms of just great memories, the most successful Lego moment of my life, I built one of the Lego trains that actually had its own little motor and drove, like a space train, drove around a track. I put it around the Christmas tree.
1: So you'd be the train engineer?
0: I would probably be the train engineer. Also... I haven't built Legos in years uh, because I'm 30, and if you just go standing in the Lego aisle at a Target by yourself at 30 years old, they ask you to leave Target. Um, but the, They also snap your photo and put it on the wall. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't let him anymore, right? Uh, I, I would say from what I've seen from afar, trying to sneak a peek down the Lego aisle and act like it was totally cool, like I sneeze and I'm like, hachoo, and I look over, uh, I would probably, the new Lego Star Wars shit looks tight. Like it looks awesome. It also looks like I would wear. I would lose all my money. Hey man, it's Christmas. Just pretend you got a kid and go browse. Yeah man, that's not creepy at all. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so I'll walk just up with browse. a Death Star. Just you go know,
1: browse looking at the Legos for my son. Right. I,
0: I look forward to that interaction with like the middle-aged woman who's just retired, How and, like, old looking is to she? have fun talking oh, to people. She's, uh, right. Mm. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he's cool. He broke his arm, so he can't play baseball this summer. So he was going to put Legos <laughs> together. Uh, that that will be just the real get fun. Elaborate backstory. Terribly elaborate backstory. Oh, Jack. Oh no, Jack's great, but he he's anemic just really, doesn't get out much. He really is like he's yeah, got I'll, these dreams. I'll tell What's her I'll, your last name Reacher. Right, right. I'll tell her. I'll be like, well, you know, his friends, his friends just they chide him so because they have all these fancy Lego things, and so I wanted him to feel really special this year. But times have been tough for us since Trump got elected, and so I've saved and I've saved. Did you use and the I've word saved. chide yeah. to our hypothetical target? Well, yeah. Year? If I'm gonna get into this, I'm gonna be eloquent as fuck about. <laughs> It. okay and so part of that is letting this woman know that that's I've not read a tell at all nope yeah. nope overtell <laughs> is the way to avoid the lie right okay. like people who are lying don't talk too much keep at doubling all. down yeah right right and yeah. then you know maybe even she'll want to get in on the bit you know she'll be like oh my god well maybe we could start like a charity drive for for little jack at target <laughs> And next thing I know, I've got all the Legos. And you'll find me six weeks later sending in a pile of Legos uh, as if the end of Scarface is upon us. And I've just got my head buried in a mountain of disembodied Lego men. Producer Ross, do we have like a red button for when a segment goes off the rails? <laughs> right, right, like, like an abort? You mean like the rails I built for my Lego train? Your, your, yeah. your space train? Full circle. Your Spain? Full, Full circle. circle. Okay. Like a Lego train track. Alright, I'm 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 empty? Yeah. If only because of that weird story. Everyone, Everyone should get another beer and take a breath. Also, this is the end of segment 5. What's that mean, Caleb? So, at the end of segment 5, uh, we're usually drunk enough to, you know, talk about the real stuff, the world's deep problems <laughs> and solve them in, you know, grim resolute fashion. So, uh, if you're not into us being drunk and talking about something serious unseriously, uh, now's a good place to get off the podcast. If you're down, to Last Call, which is our patron level, backer level, um, for Last Call, you get the sixth beer. So we're going to say goodbye. Thank you for joining us and coming to the party without paying cover. We're just happy to have you here. Don't forget to find us on mix 6com on Twitter, at mixed 6 or facebook.com slash themixed6. Indeed. And if you're with us at the Patreon, we'll be back in just a second with your sixth beer content.